Recovery Elevator, episode 471. And dude, that makes me want to cry because that's the stuff that like, it just never occurred to me that I deserve to be happy for anything. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. On today's episode, we have Carl. He's 52 years old from Southern California and took his last drink on August 22nd, 2014. Great job, Carl. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafe RE chat hosts. You guys do an incredible job. Listeners, one of my favorite memes in this space is... Alcohol is not the answer. It just makes you forget the question. Now, these are the questions that are seemingly built into our DNA, such as what is my purpose? What's the point of life? Why am I here? How can I contribute to the whole of humanity? How can I make this world a better place? How does one go about getting backstage passes to third eye blind? So we have no chance of answering these uncertainties when we continue to drown out the questions with alcohol. This Saturday, We've got over 20 travelers coming to Costa Rica for our third alcohol-free travel trip to this incredible country. This is me giving you brave humans a shout out. I can't wait to meet you. It's going to be an incredible trip. And before we get any further, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafe RE. When I decided I wanted to pursue an alcohol-free life, I knew I didn't want to do it alone. I joined Cafe RE almost immediately after I found it, and I was so surprised at the amount of grace, support, and love that was offered to me right away. One of the things I quickly realized was that I had a lot in common with the people in this community, people all over the world with similar feelings and struggles that understood me. Community matters, and lining up with people that have the same goal in mind really helped me stay the course on my journey especially when I came across bumps on the road. When joining Cafe RE, you get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $24 a month, you get access to the community, you get paired with an accountability partner if you request to be matched, you can attend educational online webinars, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 10% of monthly fees goes towards our service project, where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I can't wait to meet you there. Okay, let's get started. Let's talk progress and perfection. Now, the way this phrase is more commonly said in this space is progress and not perfection, which I totally track with as well. All right, so let's unpack this. Arriving at a perfect balance with progress and perfection is ungodly hard, and we all struggle with it, which has been very well documented. Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius and the author of the book Meditations talks about how he struggled to get out of bed sometimes and how he spends too much time doing the things he shouldn't be doing while he should be governing the state of Rome. St. Paul from Tarsus is quoted saying he could spread the word of God much better if he did less of the things he shouldn't be doing and more of the things he should. I came across the text about monks who lived 800 years ago who were tasked with copying spiritual texts. 
This is before the printing press. So the text says that the monks found it excruciatingly hard to be perfect or even good at the job. Reason why? Because if you get a bunch of humans in a room tasked with such a boring job, Tom fuckery or not being perfect will always be the result. So no one is perfect. And if you're telling yourself you should be doing more of A, B, and C and less of X, Y, Z, welcome to the human condition. There is progress though. You are at least self-aware, which is way more than half the battle. Now, listeners, I do strive to be perfect in one category, and that is regarding my alcohol intake. Luckily, the notion of what will happen if I drink again is clearly mantled in the conscious and unconscious. If I play the tape forward, I'm a goner. I know this, which is why I have to be perfect in this area. But being perfect in other areas or all areas of my life is straight up exhausting. It only causes more shame and is not in line with who I am which is a flawed being who hasn't figured everything out yet. In fact, the other day, I came across a great acronym for the word SHAME. SHAME stands for should have already mastered everything. There's that should word again. Now, an area of my life where I keep telling myself I need to be perfect is with food, aka not eating before bedtime. Now, I had this under wraps before the pandemic, but it's still something I struggle with. A major reason why I still struggle with this is because it's how I'm biologically wired. The coding of my DNA was built in times of scarcity, meaning that if I came across a wild blueberry patch, I am genetically wired to eat every single blueberry until A, I shit my pants, B, there are no more blueberries in the patch, or C, a grizzly bear runs me off. And speaking of grizzly bears, wolves, dogs, birds, vultures, we are all wired to basically eat until we pass out. Now, unlike the addiction gene, which has not been found, geneticists have identified the binge eating gene. It even has a name. What's up CYFIP2 gene. So when I'm dripping honey on my third piece of toast at 10:39 PM, I say to myself, being the most authentic version of myself tastes great. I just hope there's ice cream in the freezer. I also know the late night eating is serving a purpose. Maybe I'm missing a caloric mark throughout the day. It might be comfort eating, or it could be just that honey toast is so effing good. And I didn't remove alcohol from my life to also remove honey toast. And speaking of honey toast, that 100% is my next ukulele band name. Now let's run progress, not perfection through the lens of duality, which is the world we live in for defining purposes. You have to have dualities, for example, tall to no short, silence to no sound. You have to have imperfection to no perfection. They are both equally important and you can't have one without the other. You need your teenage kid playing an out of tune electric guitar to fully appreciate James Taylor. You need the Unabomber to fully appreciate Mother Teresa. So to all my perfectionists out there, embrace the imperfection because you need it. Now to all my spiritual peeps listening, there's a concept in the East called the karmic wheel. When we enter the self-help world, it can be tempting to hear the siren song to fix everything. But the karmic wheel is this. If you become too perfect, you have just diminished yourself overall. And here's the thinking. If you were to sharpen a sword too much, it begins to disintegrate and becomes less effective. Another example of this, if your environment is too sterile, hello, RSV. So according to this spiritual concept, you don't even want to be perfect. And the last seed I want to plant with you is there's a very good chance we have accepted someone else's definition of what perfection is or how we think we need to live. So with progress, not perfection, 
Most of us are using someone else's version of perfection to define our lives. Fucked from the start. So with progress, not perfection, with some reason, logic, and maybe some grasping, we can fully detonate all of it. While your soul is remarkably perfect, there is no perfection in this perfectly imperfect world. So go do you, and remember, we are all just walking each other home. And before we hear from Carl, let's hear from Athletic Greens. Taking care of our bodies is crucial in recovery. I've been drinking AG1 for almost a year, and it is now an essential part of my day. I usually wake up around five, I do some journaling, my meditation, I drink my AG1, and then I know that I'm off to a good start. I focus on what I can control, and having this supplement is now a part of that. I have peace of mind knowing that one scoop a day has everything that I need, and it supports my immune system. I'm a mom, the kids get sick all the time, the weather's been crazy in San Diego, believe it or not, and it's just great to know that AG1 contains everything that I need, not to mention I have noticed an increase of energy throughout the day, so I just, I love it. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash recovery. That's drinkag1.com forward slash recovery. Check it out. Carl, how are you? How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good, Carl. Thanks for asking. Let's get right into this, my man. When was your last drink? Uh, my last, well, my last drink would be August twenty first, twenty fourteen. But uh, I usually say my sobriety is August twenty second, twenty fourteen. Yeah, you are coming up on ten years. If a bunch of things are in retrograde with each other, how's that feel, my man? I mean, sometimes it feels like shit to be honest. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but generally, like overall, you know, I feel the trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Like it's always a upper, you know, trajectory. You know, with 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 hills and valleys. That's kind of how it how it always. But yeah, it feels generally. I mean, did I ever think I would be here? No, right. So uh, yeah, it it is different than what I thought. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the honest response, Carl. Before we get into your story with alcohol, give listeners a little background about yourself. Maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, do you have a family, your age, and most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Oh my gosh. So I was I was born in uh, Los Angeles uh, County in Southern California. I am 52 years old currently, uh, so that means I was raised in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, if you're listed. You know, I'm a, I'm a creative by... Uh, nature and by trait, right? Like it's something that um, I have just done naturally all my life. So let me just say, you know, people hear creative, like they always think of somebody who draws or paints, like that's just not it, right? You know, so I am a, I'm a graphic artist, graphic design traditionally, but I also move into, you know, media and you name it and, and all the other stuff ever since like, you know, ever since the early days of the internet, I've been there. So yeah, so what I do for fun, oh my gosh. Like before sobriety, 
I, I didn't really do a whole lot of for fun. I, I wasn't really having any fun at all. You know, but now, I mean, I have so many things. Like, you know, I write, I paint. Again, I draw, even though I suck at drawing. You know, I do I do a podcast, actually. This is ironic. You know, uh, we, we, we started very similarly. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what I do. I, 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 I exhort, which is uh, another way to say I strongly urge people to, to do the right thing. Yeah, and a podcast is definitely in the creative space. You may have heard Carl's voice before. I've heard great things about the Sober Pod podcast. It's like, we got to get this guy on. Before we get into how that evolved or in your story, talk to me. You said you're in the creative space. Without alcohol, did you create, Did the creativity come back? Did you have to oh work at it? Are you more creative without alcohol? This is such, this is exactly like, like what I want to tell everybody, <laughs> which is kind of the thing. You know, let me just say, you know, I always associated, which I'm sure much, many people do in advertising anyway, you know, it was like, you know, I, I was kind of part of being in advertising, right? You know, there was, uh, you always had a full bar, like wherever, whatever agency you went to, uh, you know, um, yeah, there's always like somebody running around with some other kind of substance. So it's, you know, again, as I got older, I didn't necessarily dip into that. But, uh, but yeah, to me, it was just natural that, you know, I was doing, you know, if I was, if I was writing, I would love to be drinking and writing. Cause again, just like it says in the, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, you know, he says like convincing his wife that like great works of art were created while being drunk right you know like yeah like a Hemingway kind of a thing right you know so I would always sit there and you know uh, get get shit faced and write and then I would wake up the next morning and go what the fuck was I doing so yeah it, what happened though is when I got sober I I, I it, it went away like all the creativity and all the juices that I had to like achieve art for whatever reason uh, you know, people talk about writer's block. I completely had it. And I, and I was terrified. You know, my daily job depended on, on me being able to sit down to a blank page and generate ideas around whatever client, product, service, etc. I literally sat down and just stared at a blank page going like, how did I get here? And it just lost me, completely lost me. So yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those, it was a scary moment. And actually one that I calculated very differently to say, like, should I go back to drinking? Because if I don't, how am I going to continue my life? Well, yeah, you're, I, you're still in the creative space. I have to ask, when did it come back? Did it come back to the same level or even further? Well, so uh, let me go even further because this, uh, this is exactly because here's the thing. When I know that there's somebody out there right now and a lot of a lot of artists are like me, right? Like they're, you know, they consume in order to stop the the painful other feelings that come with being the sensitive quote-unquote artist and that's an artist yeah that's who i am right and so you know i'm the one that everybody called oh you're just too sensitive you know that kind of stuff and so i really had a difficult time living life sober i mean i felt the world to be much more painful than i think other people you know saw that it is you know so i just i just took it on like whether it be empathetic whether it be like you know people call it an empath or whatever um you know for me that's exactly what it is like i could literally feel somebody else's pain sitting across from the table you know what i mean like i generate it differently is how i how i had it so when i took alcohol off the table though you know i had to take on all these other things and the brain got so 
seem to be a little bit too busy taking on all this other emotion, right? And all this other shit and things seemed very complicated. So it didn't allow for me to have any room to really address like the, the basics in front of me of doing my job. So for a long time, I was looking for it. I was hunting for it. I was staying sober. I was, I, I managed to get by just to like kind of fake it till you make it kind of stuff. And I, I just started moving the pencil or moving the pen and hopefully the rest of the, you know, an object in motion seems to stay in motion, you know, and, and I really fumbled my way through it to be honest. And, uh, and it was scary. And then, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, you ever listen to recovered cast recovered the uh, guy up in Detroit, you know, he has a podcast and I listened to that uh, pretty, pretty, uh, religiously and and then he had a, a a guy that came on it was a, a cartoonist and you know and i was like oh he's talking about being an artist in recovery and you know and i was like how's that like i need to know what he knows how does he how is he able to do that and uh you know and at the time i really didn't appreciate the advice because you know i called in and i left a message and i said okay like how do i get this back because i'm scared because i don't know how to be creative anymore and uh and one of his uh responses was have you tried praying for it to return and i was just like absolutely not (laughs) like you know because i wasn't Uh, about to you know i was yeah i was going to aa and i was i was into it and um and but you know i wasn't like i wasn't all in you know what i'm saying like i was i was going through the motions for that too and and so, so I, you know, here's the thing is I started to really look at it that way. I started to go, oh, like, you know, I got a new sponsor who helped me do a little bit of that. And one of the things that he really taught me was that, which is so true, even though I didn't, even though my ego didn't want to admit it, but I didn't do anything to get this talent. You know what I mean? I really didn't. Like, I just drank and effed off. I caused a lot of damage, man. You know, I was, I was 15 years old stealing cars. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, you know, I was robbing houses for vodka that's what i was doing when i was you know and and as i got older like you know i i just started to apply these natural talents that i had and that was the things i didn't do anything to get it so therefore you know my sponsor was kind of like guiding me to say like hey dude like this is you've been god given this gift right and it's like so are you gonna are you gonna use it you know what i mean and then not only that like how are you gonna use it you know and i i just i didn't you know i was completely selfish before all that so i had no clue so I, I ended up looking at it as um, the the talents that I have could be put to good use, right? Put to service. And that's, you know, what was I doing when I had control of them, right? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, what was I doing with it? Like, I was just cause, causing havoc, you know, posting memes on the internet, you know? <laughs> well, Carl... I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick snippet on creativity and then we got to get into your story. We are, we are burning precious time here, but for me, I've always been an incredibly creative person. It didn't come back day one. And I think that's with the order of destruction with alcohol first kills spiritually, then mentally, then physically. And then the healing is reversed. You know, physically, your body responds mentally, come back line. And the third aspect, the spirituality component for me, that's when my creativity came back. And I think all creation is in a flow state. You're connected to a power grade in yourself or whatnot, God, the universe, but it comes when you're not thinking. So it came later for me as well. Mm-hmm. I, I could go on up for days about that with you, but let's get into your story, Carl. You've got 20-something sobriety days in front of me coming up on 10 years. I hope that never changes, my man. I'm going to let you take it from where you want to start. Uh, let's do it, my man. Dude, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I do. 
<laughs> it's funny because you know you always like when you think about coming on here and you think about uh oh what am i going to share it's like yeah i always go back to uh again the same sponsor who was like dude you don't think about it you just do it right you know whenever you know, i remember uh, i was asked to do a talk once and uh and, and and like the first talk I was ever asked to do, I must have spent hours thinking about it, trying to write it down, doing all this other stuff. And then when I got up there, I I didn't say anything relating to what I planned for. So you know, it's usually it just open my mouth and it comes out. So um, so what I do want to do is talk about you know we talked a little bit about it. Is uh, oh, this is this is great. Is uh, you know, we talk about the past a little bit. You know, we talk about our 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 drunkologues. But you know, I I did write a book, the 366 fucking days sober book, and put sober pods label on it for the podcast uh, that I do. And so there is like one page of a meditation that really defines my insanity. If we really want to you know get to it, and then we could just kind of go from there. But hey, it does have some dates in here. Let's do so, it. <laughs> so it was a New Year's Eve. Uh, just to set this up, it was a uh, it was a, a a, a blue moon like you know once in a blue moon so it was actually a blue moon so i left southern california i had been up for three days already on math you know i bought an eight ball with my buddies to celebrate my leaving southern california and i was headed to minnesota where my parents were yeah it was 1989 on new year's eve here you go it was uh, so it says when i left southern california in 1989 on new year's eve i'd been up for three days after buying an eight ball of meth with my buddies. I had about a half gram left when I got into my car to drive to central Minnesota. I suspected I was being followed by the police or the feds somewhere in New Mexico, and the paranoia set in. I saw strange things for the next 24 hours. I have come to find out that it was a blue moon on that New Year's Eve, and everything was visible then. I saw hot air balloon-like floating houses across farm fields, trees on fire that walked into the road, whales harpooned by telephone poles on the side of the road, and all the while, a shadowy figure crawled in and out of my vehicle as I drove. As I made my way up Highway 29 in Iowa, I pulled into a gas station in a tiny town where a teenage boy was working the gas station and cash register. As I paid for my gas, I debated whether I should rob the young man. I didn't have a gun, but I thought I might be able to intimidate him into giving me the money. As I stood there debating whether I should do it, I realized I was having this conversation out loud. The kid appeared confused, as I am sure he had never experienced someone talking to himself out loud, debate, debating whether he should rob the store. So uh, that's that's a meditation. I usually do like little um, reflections and daily challenge at the end. So stop living the life is a reflection. Stop living life in the light of the blue moon, kind of poetic. Uh, and daily challenge, don't run, face the change, and stay, right? So that's like, I guess, more or less, that really defines kind of like the insanity of it all. Don't get me wrong. I've done way more. I've done way more wrongs. I've caused way more harms, done the damage, you know, and not only that, you know, you would think that that would be something that would stop you. But, you know, I went on to, uh, after getting five years of sobriety, I went on to pick up a drink again. You know, I was uh, standing there with somebody I met in Narcotics Anonymous. He had three years sober. I had five years sober. He stepped up the bar to get a drink, and then I followed immediately after him, right, without skipping a beat. And you know what I thought? I, I thought I would be able to get laid for once, you know? <laughs> like, that's, and that's it. I was like, you know what? Like, was, I was bored of my sobriety. I was bored of participating on that level, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And, uh, again, talk about a dry drunk. That's exactly where I was. Yeah, Carl, I've asked that question before. Why do people, why do you go out again after a period of sobriety? I appreciate your honesty to get laid. 
So yeah, that's, ticket uh, late. that's totally, totally appreciated. We've covered a lot there. The question yeah. I have is, did you make it to Minnesota after staying up for three days straight? I think that's like a 40 plus hour drive. Dude, I'm hallucinating completely. I fell asleep in, in Minnesota, like somewhere in like north of St. Cloud and because uh, I was going to Brainerd and uh, uh, I fell asleep in a car literally because I didn't have my cruise control on for whatever reason and the car literally stopped me, got nose to nose and then stopped my car and then woke me up, like, you know, hit, you know, got out, hit my window and uh, and woke me up and I was just like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, you know. And then, uh, and then I continued on, and then I pulled into a billboard that was a Super 8 billboard, uh, thinking that it was a hotel. <laughs> literally, you know what I mean? Like, I literally thought I was at the hotel. It was just, I figured it that it was a billboard at some point. Gotcha. Right, you know? The Super 8, four, four exits down, you decided to just camp out at the billboard. Okay, well, I got yeah, you. Yeah, no, it, and then I got back into my car to go actually find that four exit down one and, you know, I, and i slept for two or three days i don't even remember sure they, they, they asked me for money more and more and i didn't know you know what i mean it's like all blur from that point but yeah yeah i did make it no doubt like i didn't get arrested i didn't you know which is just crazy to think about all yeah. right we'll keep going Literally carl insanity. let us let us know uh the more insanity or let us know the direction <laughs> that alcohol took you yeah no and i, I think the only thing i I want to do is is cut down to you know all the drunkalog bullshit because that's not you know we all been there we've all yep. done all that stuff and you know the the thing here is that uh, I guess the more tragedy of it is that you know you know I did all the things you know, I got I was even in treatment at 15 years old like I was in meetings like what I, the only thing that really treatment and the meetings really gave me is the jargon and knowledge in order to completely manipulate other people even further right. So, you know, it gave me a little bit more understanding of like what I was dealing with, but at the same rate, it's like, you know, it only extended the misery, right? So, you know, I, I ended up um, eventually, you know, uh, marrying my, my childhood sweetheart, right? And I moved back to California and, you know, we ended up having, uh, you know, she had a child from previous and we ended up having uh, three more children. And, you know, it, and I hear meetings, This I even pick up the languages is like, you know, instead of raising children, I was just birthing hostages. That's kind of how the story went. And I know it's like, here's the thing. It's as funny as that sounds. It's just true. Right. You know, because as an alcoholic in my druthers, in my own little skull sized kingdom and in my own little home, like I am just like reckless. I am just damaged, you know, and I don't really know that I'm taking you know, how I was raised and swearing that I'll never be like them, right? And then recreating that environment slowly but surely. So, yeah, you know, I drink alcoholically. I was a chronic drinker. You know, people talk about being a functional alcoholic. I was not functional. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, was, I don't care what words you put in front of it or behind it. That's kind of like that defines it, right? I drank every day, right? Sometimes less, sometimes more, but on the average, especially towards the end, uh, you know, about 32 ounces of rum, you know, mixed with Coke, you know, uh, pretty much makes you a candidate for just about any treatment center. You know, you know, I would literally go online all the time and I would do like the I would do like the, the tests, like, should you be in treatment? Again, if you are doing that, you might have a problem. If, right? You know, if you're taking self-assessment quizzes, and like and it, here's the thing. And it tells you to go immediately to a treatment center like you are is serious risk for bodily injury. Like, you should get help, right? Hey, hang on a second, Carl. So I'm hearing 32 ounces of rum. That's that's not chump change, right? And, and yeah. you're having kids 
was there a voice that's like, yo, this is, we're on borrowed time. The gig has got to be up. Like, this is not going to work out in the long run. So I was, towards the end, I was shitting coffee grounds. And I, and if, and for the medically oriented out there, you'll understand what that means. When you're, when you, when you're pooping, it looks like coffee grounds. Is you're like, well, what is that? Why am I pooping coffee grounds? Well, if you go look that up, it'll basically tell you that alcohol abuse is probably the number one consideration that, you know, uh, you now have upper intestinal bleeding and that's what it's causing. It's causing blood to coagulate, uh, you know, throughout your system. And by the time it gets out your system, it coagulates and looks like coffee grounds. I had, I didn't, hadn't had a normal bowel in, um, in years. You know what I mean? Like I, so to me, like that was all kind of part and parcel. Right. And, um, it was just normal behavior for me. So yeah, I, I would look that stuff up. And as soon as it, I would look up the results in Google and it said, Hey, you know, you probably have a drinking problem. I would, I would quit the browser and I would just, I would go back to drinking because I resigned myself to being that guy who drinks himself to death to, cause I, I tried stopping towards the end. You know, I, I would get three and five days. I got five days once in the last two years of my drinking. And I thought that was like, just the best i like i got five days you know and like i would celebrate like who wouldn't right and then you know and then again but my my average i could do about three days it was about it so yeah i you know i end up here's the thing i'd already been through treatment i had already had some real bouts with my meth addiction you know at 20 years old i had a real heavy bottom as you heard from the reading you know those are the types of things that that was that was average for me that was that that was normal shit that happened. So I, I sometimes considered myself lucky. I'm just an alcoholic now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, and then, um, so I just kind of like, you know, I, just, I don't know. I didn't, maybe I didn't expect any more or any different. So, you know, I, I, I sat there at my computer though, after about two years of really trying. And then I, I just, I cried out, you know, like, God, I just can't do this anymore. Like, please, like, just, I can't do this, please. Like, I just want to be free of this stuff. And, and I've been trying really hard, and but I always gave in and always gave in, and it's just over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I posted on Reddit, Stop Drinking, that night, actually. And uh, uh, and I did a, a brief little thing, you know. I talk about my little story, you know. I was meth. I got five years sober, and I haven't been able to get sober since, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I talk about my family a little bit. And then a couple posts the next morning, because I barely remember posting it, Apparently, you're not supposed to post on Reddit while you're drinking. <laughs> I guess that's like in this forum anyway. In the quit drinking and, uh, thread, yeah. Yeah, in the quit drinking thread, yeah. <laughs> and then there's two posts on there. One said, you know, you're probably doing way more damage than you think to your family, right? Mm. And that was like, ooh, like that kind of, that stung a little bit because that was truth. Yeah. And then the other one was um, a woman said, hey, like I drink, I know exactly what you're feeling. I have my kids and, and she'd been a year sober. And she basically just said, I just want to let you know that, you know, you deserve to be happy. Right. Okay. And dude, that makes me want to cry because that's the stuff that like, it just never occurred to me that I deserve to be happy for anything. Right. Serious low self-esteem, serious like issues growing up. You know, I was, I was physically abused. I was mentally abused. Right. It was neglected, abandonment, you know, all the other things that you talk about. And uh, I just didn't understand, you know, like, you know, like I, I here's the other thing too is I was a piece of shit, but I was the best piece of shit. Sure. Right? So you know what I mean. Like if you're gonna be a piece of shit, you might as well be the best yeah. piece of shit. So that was kind of my my philosophy a little bit. That was my character. That's how I rode. You know. So 
and in and out of the program. Yeah, Carl, and, let, me, uh, let me ask you a question about that night. Did you verbalize it, say out loud, as in, I can't go on like this? Um, it, and was it the same night with the Reddit prayer? Like you said, look, this has yeah, got to get yeah, on, yeah. get on Reddit. Number one, hey, you're doing more damage to your family you than you think. And number two, mm -hmm. you deserve love. You deserve happiness. You deserve wholeness. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a lot went down that night. Yeah. yeah. And it was all culminating before. You just said, I can't do this anymore. There's a bigger voice. Dude, I would browse Reddit Stop Drinking Forum just to like, and drunk, right? Just reading other people's success stories, wishing it was me. You know what I mean? Just wishing it was me. So what happens after that is I, I stay sober for about 30 days on the uh, on the Grit Your Teeth uh, sure. Life in the dentist <laughs> you know, chair. program. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and dude, it was miserable. I was like, I would pace my house like a panther trapped in a cage in a, in a circus with little kids teasing them, right? You know, and I was like a balloon that was just ready to pop, you know? And, uh, and so my wife had gone to, to a, a, a conference and I was home alone and my kids, I don't know what my kids were doing. Honestly, I, maybe they were staying with people, but, but I still had alcohol. I had a uh, 30 pack in the fridge still. And I still had rum on the counter, half, half a gallon. And I was like, I posted on Reddit. I was like, I'm going to fucking drink if you know what I mean? And, uh, and okay, of course, basic advice, like throw it away, idiot, you know, get it out of your house. Right. And I did, you know, I did the right thing. Cause here's the other thing. It was way before trash day too. And I, and I threw it, put it in the, uh, here's the other thing. I put it in the recycle bin. I didn't break them. Right. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't pour it out, but I, I just put it all in the recycle bin and then reeled the recycle bin out. And then I thought if I have to go back out there and get it, then I'm an alcoholic. Right. That's the kind of like the weird measure. Your head, that was the line in the sand. Yeah. I'm not yeah, an alcoholic right? until I go out to the curb and pull it back out of the recycling. I track with exactly. it, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, messed up rationalities. But, you know, here's the thing. I go and I do that and it gets me past that 30 days. And then at 60 days, I knew that I was going to drink again. And I, even with the, the support I was getting on Reddit and like all that stuff, I just couldn't. I, I knew that I was like I was doomed. You know, I I could my own thoughts were getting me. Right. And then so I did the thing that you do is I, you know, I found a meeting. I went and I circled around it about 12 times and then I didn't go. And then I went home and then I went back again the next week. And then I finally went in. And here's the thing is I didn't have to announce as a newcomer because I didn't have less than 30 days. The, the woman who was leading the meeting, I have more sobriety than she did. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, well, then what do I need to come back to this for, right? You know, and you know what? Here's the thing, though, because I had been raised in that stuff. You know, I've been sent to that stuff. I had been you know, ordered. You know, I had been, you know, whatever. And that's the thing is, is I, I sat there and immediately with all the readings, it all kind of clicked and came back. You know, I left that meeting, going home crying, with the radio off, no distractions, and just, and I was crying not because I. uh I found like, oh, my people, right, or the solution. I was crying because I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to go back here again, <laughs> right? If I'm to stay sober, I'm going to have to do this shit, and I don't want to be these people. I don't want to be with them. I don't want anything about them. Losers, I don't want to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, that's what my head was at. Like, and again, the spiritual stuff, like, uh, yeah, like that was for the weak-minded people, you know, wasn't going to do that stuff, you know, because I, you know, already I could see on the wall, like, you know, God, the big God word there. And it scared the shit out of me, you know, if I'm being honest, you know. Yeah. So how would you overcome that? You went back, correct? Dude, I, you know, they say <laughs> this is the best. So they say, listen, 
you know, again, hear the basics when you're in there. Like, you know, I always listen up when like, if you're new, everybody always see at the end of the shares. If you're new, get a sponsor, read the book, get phone numbers. It'll save your life. You know, that kind of stuff. Keep coming back. Right. I'm like, all right. So, so I got some set of instructions, you know, and I don't, I'm not attached to anybody. I'm going in there. I'm quiet. I don't have to announce as a newcomer. Everybody just thinks I'm a transplant that's just coming back to meetings, I guess. So then uh, I don't share. I just shut up for the first time in my life. I don't share. I just shut up. And, you know, they, uh, I, I, I listened for somebody who had what I wanted, right? And there's a dude, and I couldn't, I couldn't see him because I was behind this wall, but I could hear him. Uh, and he was talking about the book. I had already read the book to understand, like, what I was trying to do. So, and I, and I didn't get the, you know, the bigger concepts like we do. Like I just, I read it as a cursory view. And I, what I did though, is I, I did myself a favor and rather than, you know, poo-pooing it like I would normally do in the past for the first time in my life, I was giving it the college try. I'm like, why not do this for the first time? I have read that shit on the wall and read the, the laminated sheets a million times, but have I ever read it you know what i mean yeah have i ever read it with the intention to actually absorb it and learn it and so i went and i started to do that and so as i was listening to this guy he was like you know i he was talking about like not having a job and he was talking about but you know not having a wife not having kids and uh and the thing is is like but he knew the book right and so i was like so this guy has everything that i want he has no responsibilities Right. And I wanted no responsibilities. I didn't see that at first, you know, like only after I got this dude as my, oh, and plus he was an atheist too. Right. So I'm like, so here's an atheist working the 12 steps. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to fit right in now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's your I'm guy. Gonna, yeah. He's, totally. That's why I don't recommend, you know, finding somebody who has what, you know, you know, you want, because when you're that, you know, I don't know, newly sober, you don't know what you want, you know? So, so I, I, you know, he, he helps me along the way. He helps me in a lot of areas, right? Being of service to other people, very, you know, very focused on service and altruism, but not really focused on spirituality whatsoever. And then um, as I stayed in the rooms, I took on a service position Saturday mornings. I started doing a meeting, uh, leading a meeting. Uh, the old guy suckered me into it. Uh, and I did that. And that kept me sober. I want to say, you know, a good year, right? Because I was just doing nothing but that. But I, in the process around eight months, uh, I got a number of a guy who, uh, who said, uh, who said, AA is not what you think it is. And you are not who you think you are. And I was like, that's some cryptic stuff, boy. I want to know what he means by that. Right. So I got his phone number, you know, yeah, as do I, and, what, what did he mean yeah. by that <laughs> well, after a year? Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's eight months and I'm, I had the same behaviors. I had the same attitudes. I had the same personality. I'm not really growing. I'm creatively unblocked. You know, I got problems. You know, I, every meeting I, I attend, if I do share, it's always starts with my wife, you know, my wife, this, or, you know, fuck them, 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 and they, and it's never about me. I'll tell you that. It's so, uh, so I started talking to this guy and, and then, uh, eventually I'm like, got a new sponsor because he had something that, I absolutely wanted, which he had a, a quiet confidence. He had an assurity. You know, he knew his place in the world. He basically, you know, had, he had something that I didn't have, right? And that's what I should have looked for, right? You know, what it is that, you know, but I, again, you don't know what you don't know, right? You know, so, so 
one of the things I did is I got in. I actually got into to do capital D O the step work, right? You know, that was like one of the things. It's like, um, you know, Socrates says the unexamined life is not worth living, right? Dude, how thousands and thousands of years ago, Socrates, like two thousand more than two thousand years ago, said just that, and that's exactly it, right? You know, a lot of us never stop to really, you know, we're all just kind of reactionary. We just bounce off the worlds and you know do that. And the steps allowed me to do that stuff. Uh, I took the God word off the table, basically. I, I resigned from the debating society. And I said, you know, if there is a God, I'm obviously not it. So I'll just leave it at that to start, right? So what I did is I really took the third step as more of an intention of this, which is I'm making a contract with my higher self, right? With, with the greater universe, the spirit of the universe, however you want to call it. I'm going to say this. If by some, you know, strange circumstance that this is how the world actually works, please guide me to do better so that I can help people more, period, right? Like every day I, I, I that's what I do now, right? That sponsor, you know, he, he corrupted me. He brainwashed me. He turned me into a, a you know, a, a, <laughs> a fool who actually learns to, to help people, love people. He actually, here's the thing. Ultimately, this dude, you know, when they say in the meetings, you know, we're going to love you so you can love yourself, until you can love yourself, that kind of stuff. Um, he actually did love, right? Mm-hmm. You know, unlike some people who just give it lip service, he actually loved me. And he is a man that I said, like, I'm going to love back, right? Because here's the thing. You know, I read uh, uh, Eric Fromm, and it was like a, this dude when I was in the hospital in 2020. And it, the, pretty much that was the premise of the book. He's like a renowned psychologist. And, and it, the premise of the book was, is like, you know, you will never be loved until you risk loving someone else. And this guy who loved me, who risked, you know, loving me, absolutely got it in return. And I only got that by allowing myself to also be loved. You see what I'm saying? So once that happened, dude, like I was, dude, I was on a roll, right? You know? I started to, uh, I started to, you know, I always have a joke. It's like, you know, I fell in love with the dude at 7-Eleven, right? Which is just to say that, like, you know, I really started to see people as people, as very spiritual beings. You know, I, I uh, watch uh, Joseph Campbell, and he was talking about, and I forget what religion is, Hindu, I think. You know, when they, when they, when they greet you, they greet you with their, with their hands together, like in a, in a praying motion, mm-hmm. right? And that's because when they're greeting you, they're greeting the spirit within you. Right. And and that's how I started to understand our journey a little bit better. And and that's where I started to get more of my spirituality and feeling more connected, feeling a part of, you know, those types of things. And and to know that, like, some people are still sick, you know, some people, they have anger in their hearts and they hurt and they, you know, it's like and it's and one, it's not my job to fix them. Right. Because it didn't happen for me. Nobody could fix me, quote unquote. Uh, again, I had to experience this world sober after I had taken a hard look at myself, right? You know, who am I? What am I doing? What, you, know, where am, you know, how am I operating in the world? What am, what am I really doing out here? You know, am I giving back or am I just taking? You know, it's like, am I doing it just out of all these selfish desires or do I have like, ulterior motives like you know what i mean like what is it that i'm really doing 
and I think that's the thing is once I kind of threw a lot of this stuff out the window of like, you know, this uh, monetary, you know, aspects of materialism, you know, all the things that I think that I desire. Once I threw it out the window, I realized like it's all on loan. Like nobody, you know, you come in this world, you know, just like you left, you know, naked and afraid. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it goes. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, you know, after that, it's like, uh, you know, I once, I don't know if I saw it on a post or Facebook or wherever, but I once saw like around that time, somebody post uh, something like, uh, you know, relax, like the worst has already happened. You uh, know? I like that. And, and I was like, oh, that's true. Like, you know, at the end of the deal, you know, like, especially now in sobriety, it's like the, the worst has already taken place. You know, I'd already like contemplated suicide. Uh, you know, it already was going to put a you know, gun to my head. And now really, what's the worst that anybody could do to me now? You know, I mean, you can't. You, now, now I'm almost untouchable now. <laughs> so, yeah. Carl, I want to comment on that Socrates line about self-examination. And I think a beautiful part of an addiction is it forces us to self-examine, mm -hmm. right? So living a life without self-awareness, it's brutal for everybody. The people that come in contact you with you and the person. But I think the beauty of an addiction is it forces us to become self-aware and shine that light. You know, our projection goes outward, but it now for us to survive, it has to go inward. Mm -hmm. Now, Carl, it sounds like AA was the bee's knees. Like that's how, what worked for you. What advice would you yeah, give yeah. to somebody who maybe well, can't get past the God stuff or, or maybe it wasn't all AA? Yeah, no, it wasn't all AA. I mean, let me, let me just say, it. you know, AA talks about, you know, <laughs> they say it themselves. We know <laughs> only a little right? You know, you, you know, you will like go on to learn more, right? AA is God's spiritual kindergarten. That's it. That's what it is. Like, you know, it just happens, you know, it's all the same information that's been thrown out there over the last, you know, whatever, 10,000 years that we've, you know, accumulated as a human being, you know, they just happen to pack it all together for the alcoholic. It's not like they corner the market on sobriety. There are people, you know, there are spontaneous bouts of sobriety happening all the time. You know, so I, I, here's the thing is that, um, you know, I went on to learn, I started to read. That's the best part. I read the big book and that actually inspired, like, that's the first book I had read that wasn't like a computer manual in like years. And I was like, oh shit, like I can actually read. So then I started to, I became voracious in terms of reading. So I got, you know, I don't, you name any other self-help book, I probably read it. You know, I, a lot of them incorporate the 12 steps, right? There's that kind of stuff. You know, I read, you know, into Taoism, I read into philosophy, of course, quoting Socrates and those types of things. Like that's all the stuff like that I brought in. So I, whatever vein of gold I found, say it was Taoism, right? I found a, a vein of gold there that was like talking about like learning to be empty, for instance, right? Like emptying your mind, emptying your thoughts, et cetera. You know, I would follow that thought pattern wherever it led. You know, if I came across another author, I just read another author, et cetera. So yeah, AA is a great place for a good foundation for the alcoholic, somebody seeking sobriety, somebody seeking community, a good place to start. But that's not where it ends, right? That's where it begins. And I didn't get sober just to sit around a bunch of fucking meetings. So, <laughs> so that's the idea is, um, you know, I, I got sober so that I could extend myself into the world. So I, I got, um, like you, you know, I got inspired to create a podcast, you know, 
Uh, we talk about that creativity. That came back like a hundred times, right? I became like that dude that can't stop being creative. I don't know where it comes from now. It literally is just it like it's like it flows, man, and it is like the best feeling. And I don't know how to stop it. I sometimes that's the curse now, right? It's like whereas before it was like I didn't know how to start it. Now I don't know how to turn it off. And that's the other thing is I also learned that creativity doesn't just exist in like the arts or poetry or whatever. It yeah. exists in your recovery. It exists in like I have fixed almost every major appliance in my house in the last 10 years. Like I have done home repairs. I have like I have put fiberglass on an RV. I don't know. I didn't know the first thing about it. I you know, rebuilt a PC, like built a PC from the ground up. Like absolutely. I was not a PC dude until I said, I'm just going to buy the parts and do it. Right. You know, this whole attitude of like, you know, that, uh, you know, the one thing that I learned more so than anything else in, in my recovery is that before recovery and even halfway through, I was self-limiting. Talk about that's That's the point. Like AA is not what you think it is. Right. Cause that's not where it stops. Right. You know, it's not just that place that you come to and people bitch about getting sober. Right. It's, you know, it's a launching pad. Right. So, you know, it's, that's the idea. So A is not what you think it is. And then again, you are not who you think you are. I was so self-limiting. Everything that I did in my life was absolutely under the umbrella of, you know, you can't do that. Right. You know, so what, that's what, how I, that's how I came into the world. That's how what everybody told me when I came in. No, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. And then dude, as soon as I got sober and I realized like, oh shit, this is all just like here for fun. This is all just for here for us just to play with. Like, that's cool, right? So then that's when the, you know, the, the guardrails came off. That's when I stopped, you know, uh, listening to people to that said, you can't do that. And I, and I just, I, I, I stopped being self-limiting. And the other thing is I stopped asking for permission to actually live my life with other people, right? And, and again, not hurting anybody, right? But I'm not going to ask for permission to create a podcast, right? I'm going to go do that just like you did, Right. You know, I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm just going to go, I'm going to say, fuck it and click submit. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I had the same <laughs> thinking there, Carl. Yeah. And I got one more question before we hit the rapid fire round. We're on the back nine here is talk to me about service. I imagine that was part of the impetus or the motivation with the podcast, 366 fucking day sober. Um, you know, talk to us like where they can find the podcast, the book and, and talk to us how you started it and, and why. Sure. Soberpod.com is where you go. It's pretty damn easy. Soberpod.com. Uh, and so, um, so the reason why I created it was this, it was just kind of funny. So my, the guy that, uh, had three years, uh, sober and I had five years and he stepped up to the bar to, to get a drink. And I followed him that dude, he was my first roommate. And, uh, and so we kept in touch throughout all these years. And, uh, and when I was six months sober and I had read the book, right. I finally read AA, right? And we'd struggled, right? So I called him and I said, dude, I finally read the book. I go, we were doing it wrong. <laughs> right? Like this is, the, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then I had a buddy like tell me like, dude, don't talk to him until at least after a year because he's probably, he's probably going to get you drunk before you get him sober. Right. Oh, wow. So, so that's, so that was a good advice and I took it. Right. So, so I let him know that. And then after a year, I gave him a call. Right. And I said, dude, like, you know, how you doing? I checked in. He's still drinking, still fucking off doing whatever. But he was trying. Right. And then um, and then I got the idea to do the podcast. That's why SoberPod exists is because I said, dude, I'll tell you what. He didn't want to go to AA because I tell him, dude, I'm going to AA and I think it's working. Right. 
He didn't want to go to AA. And uh, I said, well, dude, tell you what, you go to all these other meetings. Go, you go to Refuge, you go to Smart, you know, you go to like, you know, whatever it is that you want to go to, like, and you come back every week and we'll talk about, you know, which ones you like better or how it's working for you. And, and it'll keep you accountable, right? So we'll have something to talk about. And uh, so that's how it started, right? It's like, it was kind of like a young you know, sobriety person in adventure. Da -da. Dude, 30 days in, he couldn't do it anymore called me, told me that he wasn't an alcoholic and that that's, <laughs> you know, and he couldn't record anymore. So there I am stuck with the podcast. And I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? So, you know, and that's the idea is so I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm here. I might as well, like you, you know, I remember getting on, doing all alone, talking, you know, t telling my first story. My first story was about being powerless. Right. And, uh, and it's scary. And I, I, dude, it's no longer available today uh, due to unforeseen creative circumstances. But it literally was like, I was just, I'm so scared. You know what I mean? I might put it on actually, just, just for this, just, <laughs> just so your listeners can hear it. But it was, uh, dude, it was me just like talking into a microphone, terrified, you know? And then, and then I, uh, I sent it to my first sponsor, that atheist, right, that you talked about. And we, we did some stuff for a while. He had his girlfriend on for a while. Then after a while, you know, we had somebody else that we met come on. So we had four people, and then two people left, and then another person stayed. So right now I'm on with Chelsea. Chelsea is a, uh, a young nurse just starting to live her life. She's pregnant. She would not live in her life. Her life is coming together. She's also about nine years sober, almost 10. And so she really covers sobriety from like a younger perspective, right? And female, right? I'm this old dude who's kind of already been there, done that. So it's a nice little combination. And uh, it's just been a treat just to get on every week and be accountable to somebody else and, and continue to do what we've been doing for six, seven years, you know? It's 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 good stuff. So, oh, yeah. Fantastic. Awesome job. We've reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 10 to 15 seconds, are you ready? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> Appreciate your authenticity. doesn't even matter. We're still going forward with it. Number one, Carl, what's the one thing you've learned about yourself on this journey? Oh, that I'm not that important. I'm All not right. that important. Like nobody's watching. Nobody's watching. Gotcha. Number two, what's your best sober moment? Uh, my daughter ripping up real estate flags as she walks down the street like somebody put american flags in all the people's lawns on i think it was memorial day or whatever that's when i really had the that vision she was again she's about one and a half just ripping out flags walking down the street and uh, the grass was greener the flowers were blooming the sky was um, just amazingly blue talk about a uh, uh pink cloud you know i love that love that feeling what's your favorite alcohol-free drink alcohol-free is uh earl gray tea hot Right, Carl. What's the point of life? Oh my God! I you know okay. It is if I can if I can remember it. It's from um, from Picasso. Basically, it's like the the meaning of life is to find what you're good at. The purpose of life is to give it away to others. Favorite '80s band? Oh, dude! You, now you, I'm into music. I love music, but you're talking '80s. Pure '80s. My '80s are just general '80s. I'm gonna I'm gonna let myself out here. It's gonna be Bauhaus. What was that? Bauhaus. It's a goth. Got ah, all right. You know, for, for those old enough to know, they'll they'll know, right? You know. Yeah. Gotcha. Advice to your younger self. Fuck it. Click submit. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, thank you so much for joining. Before we depart, give us your own customized. You might need to ditch the booze if line. Uh, yeah, you might need to ditch the booze if you're looking up why am I shitting blood on Google. 
Yeah, that one checks out for sure. A hundred percent. We are both in the right place right now. Carl, that was awesome, man. Thank you for being you, authentic. I can Thank hear you, the light. I can see the light. You've got so much energy. Uh, keep doing it, my man. Thank you for coming on the you show. You too, brother. You too. Recovery Elevator, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, on the soul level, we got it going on. On the world level, perfectly imperfect. Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. I love you guys. Mm-hmm.